Messi. Hey, welcome back to the Thundercast. I'm your host, Connor Sanders, joined by my co-host, Kelton Jacobson. Kelton, how are you feeling today? I'm glad to be back this semester. Uh, I don't know about you, but I'm I'm glad to be back this semester. Me too, man. I'm 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 glad to be back for what's going to be a very sports-filled oh my goodness spring semester yeah, here we at SU. Were, we were kind of worried about it on Monday when we started to realize like how many sports are coming down the line. It's like, oh, so basketball is now mid-season. Football starts in a few weeks. Mm-hmm. End of February. Soccer, volleyball, Soccer, volleyball gymnastics so- started last week. We'll get into yep. that on yep. this episode. But yes, a very busy week. Uh, semester coming up and a very busy week to recap for you absolutely let's dive right in um let's do it first things first su men's basketball had two contests uh in cedar city against the university of idaho first was a win on thursday 85 to 80 the second a win 83 to 67 um both games felt close Mm -hmm. idaho was in the game both times in the second game couple of technical fouls and uh, just kind of an implosion towards the end. A very characteristic of an 0-9 team, uh, the way Idaho finished that series. It's not a 16-point. It did not feel like a 16-point game. No, no. I mean, it was, what, the last five or so minutes. Idaho was only down three before two technical fouls. And what did did we determine? It was like 48 seconds. Yeah, 48 seconds. So you can't do that. (laughs) You can't do that and expect to win games. Especially when SUU makes you pay and, and hits both technical free throws both times. Yes. So that's not that's like a eight point swing basically. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So and and, and you know props to SUU. They uh, even though Idaho was a threat at some point in the game at at least a couple points in each game. You know they came out. They did take care of business. And that Thursday game it had me a little nervous. The Thursday game was very very nerve wracking because it didn't. It wasn't like. Um, Nothing like fluky was happening. It was just like Idaho was just like staying in the game. Yeah. It just wouldn't go away. And and nothing really was working for SUU particularly. And and um, Idaho was was running this action where they they called it the floppy action, um, which is when a, a guard player, uh, particularly for Idaho, uh, Gabe Quinnett and Damon Thacker, they would come off screens off the key and just have wide open mid-range jump shots, which yeah. they were hitting. They were yeah. getting them. They would run it on both sides, like a screen in the post. The guards run from the baseline up into the high post. And it, if it was it was Quinette, he would catch it, one dribble pull up from the elbow. Mm-hmm. It was good every time. Thacker would get to the basket or Kilgore would just like post up. Whoever right. end, he ended up getting on his matchup after they would switch the screen. So, yeah, it was, they basically just ran one action over and over again. And, and it worked. And SU couldn't <laughs> slow it down. Yeah, yeah. And Thacker, hey, he got 27 points on that Thursday game. Yeah, that guy was really good. I, I was impressed by him. It, it seems like Idaho always has one player that you're like, okay, yeah, this kid's really good. Mm-hmm. And then he ends up either staying there all four years like Trayvon Allen. Um, yeah. <laughs> or uh, we'll see what happens with Thacker. But it was interesting. I, I mean, I didn't come away feeling like, oh, my gosh, has you in trouble because they kept it close with Idaho. But I was not all coming away with like a resounding, holy cow, SU just stomped those guys right. either. You know, I'm with you there. I'm with you there. I think Idaho is difficult to, was difficult to scout because, you know, their leading scorer, I think in that first game, played probably eight total minutes. Yeah, Blakeney. Um, Blakeney. And so, 
they're really difficult to scout, and I went in expecting Blakeney to be a problem when it actually turned out to be Thacker. So they they were tough. They were tough to scout, at least for me. Yes, and that highlights something maybe will be noteworthy as we approach the rest of the season, especially with this big matchup against Eastern Washington coming up this week on Thursday and Saturday. Defending uh, has not been – that's where kind of SU kind of builds their identity around their defense, their ability to – Defend, get rebounds, get out and run. That's what Simon always talks about. Those are the, the, the principles that the program is built on. And right now, SU's middle of the pack in terms of defensive efficiency and, and points allowed. Um, not really the best in terms of opposing field goal percentage or three-point percentage. Um, that's, that's an area that I think is definitely a concern. But SU's on a nine-game winning streak. Um, getting a lot of different players involved. I think Tevion Jones is really hitting his stride. Mm-hmm. Had 30 points in uh, one game in the game on Saturday and 17 on Thursday. Yeah. Um, and it, we've been talking about Tev because Tev's he's a really important part of this team. He's, I think, an element that this team missed last season where even kind of where if things go wrong um, in a game or on a possession, you can kind of give it to Tev and just he'll, he'll make – he'll smooth over whatever – problems you're having until you can get back into your rhythm. right right I mean he's so long he's so long and and he's definitely an athlete um, probably one of the most athletic players in the conference and and so it's really yeah. difficult you know for opposing wings to guard him just because of how long he is honestly <laughs> when I watch him Connor I feel like he travels every time but he doesn't just because of how long his strides we are. cover so much ground so much gr- like he can get from the, from the free throw line to the bucket on a euro step and I'm just like how did you do that like you you had to have taken three or four steps but he didn't it's hilarious watching these big sky defenders that are like yeah I'm in position for a charge and then he skirts and then around he, him. He literally doesn't even touch him. <laughs> he skirts around him. He goes right around him, and they're just standing there, like with their hands over their privates. Yeah, just like, what are you doing? Yeah, he he makes him look so bad. Sometimes I, there's a multiple times this season where like, all, he'll make a play, like some sick layup that he spins in or whatever, and we mm-hmm. just like all the, the whole media row just looks at each other and is like, what, like this? We shouldn't be witnessing this. And my favorite part is looking over at the opposing team's bench, and they're all you know making the travel call. And and then you go watch the replay. It's it's two steps, and sometimes it's even one. <laughs> it's crazy. Now, while Tev has been fantastic, John Knight has taken a little bit of a. I mean, he 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 had a pretty good game on Saturday, but takes a little bit of a maybe a lesser role in terms of usage. And John was one of the highest usage players in the entire country last season. And now mm-hmm. Tevion Jones does a lot of the in terms of percentage of possessions. It's basically Tev does most of it. And John does a lot of it too, and then, you know, decision making from there doesn't really. The rest of the team doesn't really have that much to do in terms of getting the ball and finding the open man. It's mostly just uh, get open and score. Especially since Mason Fawcett wasn't able to play um, to his full, you know, minutes capacity over these last two games. Um, it really fell a lot to Tev, and Tev doesn't get his offense. He doesn't really get it in the rest of the flow of the offense like it, he gets a lot of stuff in transition mm-hmm. um or just a kind of iso he'll, he'll hit you with like a pump fake jab step three-pointer nobody else on the team really tries that kind yeah. of stuff that's really tev's own that's tev's uh, lane yeah yeah and, and i feel like coach simon has given him the green light there when he rises up from three he's a foot and a half above his defender he's yeah. just I mean, he shoots, his shooting motion is high above his head, which is really, really good. And then you factor in the fact that he's 
six foot six and opposing defenders his wingspan's unreal too. yeah his defenders are not that and his wingspan is close to seven feet so i mean it's it's just it's almost unfair but hey to <laughs> SUU's advantage right it's 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 awesome uh going back to what you were saying about john knight yeah he had a lot of usage last season but i think the addition of tev has really played in uh well to john's uh statistics let me i i, I was looking into john's statistics yesterday yes. um Listen to this. So far this season, and and again, we're 10 games in, but so far this season, he's reduced his turnovers from three per game to 2.4. Nice. He's gone uh, from three assists per game to 4.5 per game. This is all compared to last season. Um, He's shooting at 57% from the field right now, which is, uh, I believe, second on the team, uh, tied for second on the team uh, with Mason uh, Fawcett. And then... um, he was shooting 47% last year. So that's a 10% swing right there. He's getting to the free throw line more often. He's rebounding more often. And he's stealing the ball at a higher rate. All than he was last year. So I think the offensive pressure that yeah. has been taken off of him this year has definitely played into the more finer details of his and game. And he's been banged up too. Absolutely, um, yeah. The last few games. like He got a technical foul in one of the games because he was hanging on the rim because his shoulder hurt. Like the, he's been, He hasn't even been at his full 100 percent i don't mm-hmm. think and you're right having to have there to handle some of the offensive creative duties and just to bring the ball up the floor like that's that's so nice to have mm-hmm. um now once you actually get into games like the ones they have this week where it's not like you know your turn my turn kind of thing that's not going to work against these really good teams mm-hmm. i actually unc northern colorado had this guy jonah radabaugh last season he transferred away but i would have loved to see him try and contain tevion jones because there's just nobody that's as athletic or as um, agile as Tev is, and I think Radabaugh would have given him some trouble. But we'll see. This week he's got a, a tough matchup. Eastern Washington's got a bunch of length. I think Kim Aiken Jr. Mm-hmm. presents a pretty tough matchup um, for Tevion Jones. And Jacob Davison is the a preseason. They have two preseason uh, all Big Sky, Big Sky Conference players in Aiken and, and Jacob Davison. Um, I think that they probably would have won the conference last season if – it hadn't been canceled. Yeah, it hadn't been canceled. Um, and they just have a really they fast really offense. They were really good last season. They brought a lot of guys back. They lost Mason Peatling, who was all Big Sky first team. He's kind of a post player that I hated watching. He, <laughs> man, he was so strong, and he just always finished and ones. Um, yeah. They won't. They certainly miss him. They're off to a decent start to the season. They're. Uh, they're remind me their record is two and four. They're two and four, but they've played four. Like big opponents, they yeah. Played three Pac-12, three Pac-12 schools, and, schools St. and St. Mary's. Yep. So they they've played against some good competition. Their stats aren't the best because of that. And Kelton thinks seems to think that that means that they're not that good. <laughs> you know, I I haven't I haven't been impressed. I'm a huge statistics guy. I I, I think the statistics tell a lot. Uh, you have Jacob Davison, who last year was averaging 18.4 points per game this season so far he's averaging like 11 um that's a that's a pretty stark drop off now with that said you play washington state right washington state university who is nine and two you play oregon who's nine and two and you play um who is the third one arizona arizona who's uh i believe nine and three and then st mary's who is right now eight and eight but even so the they're uh, good teams, but I mean, you gotta. I don't know. 
I don't know. I'm just not convinced. If SU, if we, if we had taken those the records, like if we just had blind records, and and you saw Eastern Washington was nine and one, and SU had competed against these four bigger schools, I absolutely <laughs> know Kellen would be like, listen, we're playing against good teams, but no, the nine game winning streak thing is a big deal, and that's the record winning streak. Um, I think this is maybe the best SU basketball has like ever been. Like if mm. you know how like Bill Connolly does like the S and P stuff for college football, and he'll show like a graph of like when they're like at their absolute best mm-hmm. over their entire hundred years of playing college football or whatever. Like I think SU is pretty close to hitting their peak right now, okay. right? Like other than the conference tournament or then when they actually made the NCAA tournament in two thousand and two thousand one. Uh, this I think that we're getting pretty close to that, right? Because yeah. The whole like, oh, they're maybe title contenders. Like we've been saying that before every season because on paper you've got the guys, but now we're actually seeing that product out on the court. And this week is like the the litmus test of, okay, you beat Montana, you beat up on on Idaho, okay, um, you've beat up on some some smaller schools now. Go on the road, yeah, and take on a yeah. really really tough team. That's that's the other aspect too. This is SU's first road conference competition yes um i'll give you i'll give you three points to kind of drive home why i think suu will will come home and i am calling it now we'll come home with two victories two victories um i'm gonna give you three points first off um (laughs) suu is the poster child to playing to their competition yes they they absolutely do and so if eastern washington by the way that's been true for two or three seasons yeah And, and so if eastern washington if eastern washington comes out and they start just a barrage of threes or whatever it is, you best believe SU is going to come out with a barrage of threes. <laughs> I mean, that's just what they do. It's moody time if that happens. Exactly. And and you know what? they, I, I, I don't feel like SU gets rattled that easily. Like if, maybe for a half, they, they it, it gets a little yeah, nervous. It's like, like a, there'll be like an eight-minute stretch where they're yeah. just like completely like, what are you guys doing? Yeah. But they, they always snap back. They always snap back. This The second point is Eastern Washington has not played since December 19th. True. They have been hit by COVID, which is kind of my third point. They've been hit by COVID, whether it's within their program or within their opponent's program, their scheduled opponent's programs, um, that, hey, you they have a month off before playing SUU. So you're saying they're going to be rusty? I think they might be rusty. I See, I, I interpret that as the opposite. I see... Really? Oh, this really good team has been waiting and licking their lips at a chance to play for a month, mm. and they and of all the teams that they could finally get their chance to play again, this team that thinks they're the top of the conference that has this big long winning sure. streak. Ah, that's a good like, point. I'm sure that they'll be able to to really get up for this game and be like, let's end these MF winning streak <laughs> and and remind them who's the best team in the conference. Yeah, and you know that's a good point. I I think the reason I say that the most is. It, it took SU a minute against Idaho with their 17-day uh, yes. hiatus. They, they it took them, you know, a half, a little more than a half a basketball, maybe one and a half halves, if that even <laughs> is a thing, um, <laughs> to, to come back against uh, against Idaho. So I I think Eastern Washington could be rusty at the gate, and and they've been slow to start the season to begin with. So slow. I let's see, let's see. I am thing, prepared to eat my words here. I think you should be. I think, honestly, if SU comes away with this undefeated, it would be like, all right, start buying your tickets to the NCAA tournament, even though no one can go. Hmm. Like, 
if they came away 2-0, I would be so, so ecstatic. But I just know Eastern Washington is so good, so well coached. Jacob Davison, just like he's just like refuses to lose. He's like mm-hmm. one of those guys. He's one of those guys that like gets that annoying foul or whatever with like 30 seconds left. Like he's he just makes those game changing plays, like gets a big save or whatever. And Kim Aiken has been really good this season. Mm. I don't think that this is easy in any form or fashion. I think the big thing to watch is that they've replaced Peatling with this Grover kid who's like a six nine, can kind of two hundred and forty pounds, Connor. Exactly, and that's. One area this season that SU has had some trouble mm-hmm. has been defending the post. Yeah. Pretty consistently. Yeah. I mean, he's 6'9", but he, he outweighs Yvonne Matunich by, like, 10 pounds. Yeah. That's crazy. That, that's a big boy down low. After Yvonne, <laughs> our best post defender, I, I think it's pretty unequivocally, it's Mason Fawcett. It's Mason Fawcett. Who is listed as 6'6", and sometimes when I walk past him in the halls, I'm like, yeah, we're at eye level. <laughs> No, that's not true, Mason. <laughs> You're definitely taller than me. But the point being, they have a lot of they have big post guys that they can throw in there. And even Idaho had success just they throwing did, Blakeney yeah. and throwing this Tanner Christensen. Christensen kid who couldn't even dribble the ball right. in the post. Yep. And and getting some baskets. So that that's I think this is a kind of question really as for the entire season is. Man, the wing depth on this team is really impressive, and the mm-hmm. guards have been fantastic. And Yvonne's had some really good games, and I think he's improved a ton. He deserves a lot of credit for that. Um, but in situations where Yvonne has either been gassed or has been in foul trouble, right? if Mays uh, can't hold down the block, it would, and he has for the most part, but if he, like he's been unavailable for his full length of time the last two games, he didn't start either the last two games against Idaho, or if he's just getting pushed around and you have to throw Spurgeon or Cortese Cooper in, it's just you're probably going to lose those minutes. Yeah. Just like the Jazz we, we watched last season. Last season. Rudy Gobert goes to the bench and you just know. It's either Ed Davis or coming. Tony Bradley and it's... Yeah, an 8 run's coming. Yeah. there's you, Yeah, so Yvonne has been really good in terms of... He's actually had some post-success this season. I think he's his shot choice in terms of shooting three-pointers has been much improved this season as well mm-hmm. i feel like y- you used to give him the ball on the perimeter and if he couldn't execute uh dho immediately it was like a turnover and yeah. that's not the case anymore yeah no he can at least dribble and, and and be okay but i mean if if he's if he's getting bullied underneath or if he's in foul trouble or if he's just gassed because he has to play like 700 minutes because we have we don't really have that much right. up, mm-hmm. it, it could spell trouble yeah i i agree i think the way that SU can counter, um, because I, I, I'm kind of with you. I, I, well, I'm not kind of with you. I am with you. I, I think you you can't play Cortez. Yes. I just don't think you can play Cortez in, in in big big sky minutes. I don't think you can play Spurge yeah. yet. I think Spurge can come along, yeah, but he, I don't think he can he play. He can yet. patch you for maybe four or five minutes. Yeah. Um. But if if it comes down to it, and you need to put Harry and Mays in the post, which you can do, and they've they've yes. shown that they can do it against good, Montana. Good rebounders for their height. They are. And and against Montana they both did very, very well yes. down in the post. And Montana had a couple big guys. Probably not as good as Idaho's. Mm. Stedman Stedman Stedman's really good. He, Stedman's good. But uh, against Eastern Washington it might be very similar when they, they might not Eastern Washington's interesting because they have guys above six six across the board. Whereas you know a couple other teams like Idaho, they had their their bigs, and then every everyone else was below six five. It felt like SU's kind of in that same realm. Yes. Where after Madunich, you have Mason, 
who's six six, and then you have Harry who's six four, and then you have John who's six three. Yeah. And then everyone else is six two, six one. So uh they could get um, Marquise Moore, don't forget Marquise Moore. Oh He's yes, sorry, Marquise. Um but I think I think the way they counter the the height disadvantages team rebounding. I think we saw it from the Houston Rockets last season when they went to small ball. Yeah. You you team rebound, and I think they're they're athletic enough to get above the box out um, with with John Knight the third and Tev if he decides he wants to get inside and go and rebound. I think it could be an advantage to SUU, but they have to commit to doing that. Yes, and rebounding. Uh, Coach Simon loves to say that they have one of the best defensive rebounding percentages in nation and that's true and on and on the offensive glass i think they're the best team in the conference but you know just in in terms of practicality you need tall dudes out there mm-hmm. to get rebound like those stats don't matter when you're down four points and you need this rebound when yep. the shot goes up right yep. so anyway that'll be interesting to watch as they head to eastern washington this is definitely the biggest challenge of their season before the season we had this game circled and then all this stuff has happened and now it's like su's nine and one and they they're flirting with like the tournament and stuff. Yeah. Now it, this takes on a whole new meaning. They've been on. They've been at home for quite some time, haven't they, Connor? I think True. the last road game was against Utah Valley. Yeah. Because the games in Bozeman were canceled. Am I yeah, right? It's been a long time. Yeah. Both both men's and women's basketball have been on a long home stand. Speaking of women's basketball, we will let's move on. Yeah. To the women's basketball team who was um if SU men's basketball is at home that means the women are on the road so. Well, you can't assume that this season, um, <laughs> but women's basketball struggled a little bit there in Moscow against uh, the University of Idaho last week. Lost on last Thursday, sixty-nine to sixty-four, and then on Saturday, seventy-seven to sixty-one. The first game, SU had a really good chance of winning that game. It, it, yeah, it ended up being really close in yeah. the end. Um, that possession where Sharita tried to pass it over to Maddie Eaton and it got stolen away was so heartbreaking because mm-hmm. the girl that stole the ball is a Boise State grad transfer. You know she's like that like savvy player that just knows knows when to to strike and Maddie got the ball and just couldn't even she didn't even have it in her hands all the way by the time it was out of there. Right. On such an important possession that's a pretty heartbreaking way to lose. Yeah, it was it was sad. I was I was watching that game and uh oh, I was just rooting so hard. SU was doing everything right until just about that moment. And then, Yeah, I was. that's the other thing I was going to say. I feel like Thursday's game is actually SU's best performance of the season so far. Really? Yeah. I could, I could see that. They yeah. played really that In that second half against Idaho, they played really, really well because they were down at halftime. I think they were down 10 points going into the half, and they just slowly yeah. crawled their way back in. Um, Sharita Doherty was really, really good in, in that game. She had 18 points. Um, was creating a lot offensively. Liz Graves was great too, and and Dari Franson was really good in the in the opening minutes, and then came on really strong in the end. But unfortunately, fouled out toward the end of that game. And then the second game, it was like Idaho kind of knew what to expect a little mm-hmm. bit more, and they weren't giving Liz the the opportunity she was getting. And Sharita, they really really focused on slowing her down. So yeah, not as successful in that second game. Felt like they just never really got into the game. Mm-hmm. And, um, Coming off of uh, pause and activities themselves as well. Yeah. The women's basketball team. Yeah. It, you know, both games were, were pretty similar to each other until uh, really the midway through the third quarter when, yeah. it, when it became clear that, you know, Idaho in the second game was not going to allow SU back into this game. And, it's because um, Beyonce B in the first game didn't do anything in the second right. half and, and the second game was totally locked in throughout. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, listen, I, I think... Uh, Idaho's a good team. 
I think they might be the second or third best in the conference. Um, Idaho State, I think, is number one. I think they're actually Idaho, nationally yeah. ranked right now. Idaho and Idaho State are definitely the the two at the top. Yeah. So I, I mean, they're they're really good teams. Um, women's basketball, they put up a fight. It's hard to go on the road, and I might eat my words against with that again with men's basketball. It's hard to go on the road, but but with women's basketball, they they put up a fight. I I really really was hoping for that Thursday game. I mean, talk yes. about how resilient this team is. Even in the Saturday game when they were down double digits and it was late in the fourth, they still came back and, and cut it to single digits once or twice Yeah, before, you know, uh, giving it up um, at they the very even, end. At so. the very end, Dayla got an and one that cut the game to like three. And like mm-hmm. they were close the whole time. The whole time. Uh, interesting to note too, I think I think um, the women's basketball team hasn't won in Moscow since like 1997. And they've lost sixteen something straight games mm. to Idaho. So like Idaho's always good. Mm-hmm. So to to go in and perform that well on the first night, I was very impressed. Um, they were scheduled to take on Eastern Washington this week. Eastern Washington, at least last season, wasn't very super good. So uh, it would have been a good chance for them to to bounce back. But unfortunately, due to COVID nineteen cases within the Eastern Washington program, they were not able to get those games played. But they were able to pivot um, mm-hmm. and take on uh, and schedule a couple of games against Rio Grande Valley, uh, a f- maybe future whack opponent, yeah. uh, a member of the Western Athletic Conference. Four and two on the season. It'll take place on Sunday and Monday, mm-hmm. which is weird for uh, basketball games. We never have basketball games on Sundays. Mm-mm. It's going to no. be like a soccer game. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Rio Grande Valley, four and two overall in the season but they haven't played like anyone basically they beat utsa they lost to texas tech and then they beat texas a&m corpus christi and prairie view a&m i believe prairie view is d1 uh texas a&m corpus christi definitely is not um these two teams as far as we can tell have never played each other rio Grande valley and su yeah um so rio Grande valley was supposed to play dixie state this weekend that fell through because Dixie had to pause their activities. So instead of playing Dixie, they're coming to Cedar City to play SUU. Um, last season, they were 13-17 and 17 overall and 8-8 eight and eight in conference play. And they're led by Amara Graham, who scores 16.8 points per game on 52% shooting from the field, which is pretty absurd. Yeah, that's going to be a fun... I think the, the Doherty-Graham matchup is going to be really, really yeah. fun. Um, because Graham at 5'6", Doherty at 5... She's listed at 5'10". I, I would... That's pretty generous. Um, so I think they're about the same height. They they play very, very similar. Um, I think Graham's just a little bit more trigger happy um, than, than Darty might be. And maybe that's a, a crude term, but um, Graham shoots the ball. She's, I don't want to say it's a one-man show there, but... It kind of. It kind of. Statistically, it is. There's one player that's in double figures, and it's her. Yeah. Yeah. So... She's she's definitely the one to to scout for to watch out for uh, against these this team and that's yeah I mean SU was a team that was definitely led by one player last season and that can be yeah. very successful um, shout out to Becca Cardenas as always so a couple things to watch as we get into these games against Rio Grande Valley um, we have been discussing discussing um, the starting lineup for SU. Uh, there's something that coach has been considering, I'm sure, all season long. Um, Margarita Santini has been in the starting lineup all season. Um, and right now she's only averaging 2.3 points per game. Um, she doesn't really 
get that many chances on offense, but really good communicator on the defensive end, uh, sets the tone for the team, can get you an and one or hit a, a long shot in a, in a key situation, but not really, offense isn't really the primary uh, part of her game. Mm-hmm. But Coach Sanders obviously trusts her. She started every game this season. Um, we're wondering now, is, is that... Is that set to change? Is that something that yeah. Coach Sanders maybe should should mull over? You know, it's it's tricky. If if I'm Tracy Sanders, it's a tricky situation to be in because you have a, a freshman in Dela uh, Bolena who's who's playing really really well, just super well. She's le- actually leading the team in assists, um, and she, right now she's she's uh, Coach Sanders' sixth man. Like she yeah. is the first call off the bench. And it's hard to not want that on the bench, you know. You, you need someone to off the bench to give you a spark and and right now that's that's Dela, but with that said, Dela has just been playing extremely well and I I, I feel like, you know, at least Sharita uh, could benefit from um Dela's facilitating a yeah. little bit more um because Sharita gets a lot of open looks and I think she could get more with with Dela playing a little bit more minutes yeah and we saw how moving off the ball really helped Rebecca Cardenas become a scorer primarily last season with mm-hmm. with all of a sudden Claudia Marlowe's bring the ball up the court it's so much easier um Rita does kind of take some of the ball handling duties off but really just creatively she hasn't had much success uh on the offensive end this season and that's partly because just everybody struggled a little bit like Maddie Eaton uh another element of this team that needs to improve just hasn't hasn't had her shooting accuracy for whatever this season. She shot 36% from the field last season. She's shooting 29% now, 31% on threes last year, 27% so far this season. She's also been in foul trouble a lot mm-hmm. um, for some reasons. Like she had four fouls against UVU and BYU, and in one of the Idaho games, uh, I think in both games she was in foul trouble actually. So yeah, uh, Matt Eaton just hasn't quite found her rhythm. Like yeah, Liz Graves is doing really well and. Uh, Dari Franson's been been solid and consistent, but some of the perimeter play uh, definitely needs to improve. And the other thing is, you say that the Dela has been the sixth man. I think Piper Thornberry has actually been the one that's been technically put in the game first, but Dela has been the, the bench player who's played the most. Yeah. Um, I thought Piper Thornberry was was really solid in covering Beyonce B, and she was really important in that game that they won against GCU. Mm-hmm. Um, really young player uh, and brings a, a new element to the offense and that she can actually kind of pass the ball a little bit as a big uh yeah you can kind of anchor her as a on the corner on the elbow or something and have her do a little bit more than just wait for an offensive rebound chance or whatever you know? right right uh going going back to maddie I, I think you have your three-headed monster in in dari friends and sharita already and and liz graves I, I think teams can focus in on those three pretty easily especially because Liz and Dari both play in the post mostly yeah um and until Sharita starts putting up more than seven shots a game uh it's pretty easy to hone in on her so you need Maddie as as a even a fourth option uh to open up the space for your three-headed monster um I think that's an okay way of putting it so I I think I I've been really just waiting for Maddie to open it up uh, during this preseason, she was extremely confident in practice, and she was just 
destroying everyone uh, in practice. And then the season kind of started and she slowed down a little bit. So you kind of wonder if, if she's in her head a little bit. Hopefully not. Um, but I, I, the team needs her. The team needs her to, to step up, and I think she will. Um, but, yes, uh, as far as Piper goes, she had a great game against GCU. She was a big reason why SCU actually won that game against GCU. Um, she's she's a good big body down low. She can get you an offensive board from time to time, and she can she can extend the floor. Um, she's a good shooter. Uh, I think her and her and Kinsley um, are very similar in that aspect. Kinsley actually had a pretty nice game yeah. against Idaho this last week as well. Um, so those are two very very similar uh, players who you kind of wonder if they can make an impact this year and if they stay with the team uh, can make an even bigger impact next year with Dari gone yeah. and Liz gone. Absolutely. Well, we're getting pretty close to needing to wrap up here. Let's quickly mention the gymnastics team who had their first meet last week, uh, the best of Utah meet. They finished in fourth place um, behind BYU, Utah, and Utah State. Uh, scored 194.325, which is uh, not I wasn't the best score there. Uh, they mm-hmm. but they're pretty close to Utah State. Only a quarter of a point behind, not even a quarter of a point, point zero two five behind Utah State for third place. Uh, pretty good performance on bars and floor. And Carly McLean had a pretty solid all around performance, but team struggled a bit on vault and beam, and could not uh, finish higher in that competition. They also take on Air Force in the America First Event Center on yeah. Saturday. Yeah, their I- first home meet. I think the best of Utah is a good time for Coach Scotty to to really adjust his lineup, see where he's at. Um, and I think against Air Force, they're going to come out and, and they're going to take care of business like they always do. Um, uh, that's Saturday at seven here uh, here in Cedar. So really, really excited to to see them kick off. I'm I'm a little sad though that we won't get fans that's, because that's, that's the that's the one that's like that's without fans, it's going to be super super. That's weird. the highest attended sporting event in, yeah. at SCU is gymnastics meets. So. But I'm excited. I'm going to be going uh, for for press reasons, so uh, I'm excited to get to watch them. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening to Thundercast. We have a special episode coming up uh, this week as well after this post goes online um, with the the announcement this weekend that Southern Utah University will be joining the Western Athletic Conference with press conference coming up things Mm -hmm. on Thursday. We will have a recap for you with Hayden Coombs, the director of operations for the University Journal, as he... Uh, well, he's actually in Houston right now for the helping out with mm-hmm. the announcement. So we'll we'll get some insight for you on that. But thank you for listening as always. Kelvin, yes, any yes. final thoughts? Uh, no. Kay. Nope, we're good. All right. We'll, we'll catch you back next week. Thanks for listening. All right, guys. Bye. <laughs>